Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. article this week, uh, it's actually from a few months ago, earlier this year, from the New Yorker. And this was the headline, The Age of Peak Advice. Right, The Age of Peak Advice. And then the tagline is what, what really caught my attention. You can get life tips from a great diversity of voices, a greater diversity of voices than ever before. But what are we really searching for? Which I thought, man, this is a question that has, I think, some weight, even in our own uh, lives. You know, regardless of how clearly we may see our way into it, uh, what are we really searching for? The author describes kind of the history of advice columns. Uh, for some of you, you'll remember things like Dear Abby, right? Uh, uh, but, but talks about sort of the history of advice columns. And, and uh, this author suggests we're in, a, we're in an age, a moment, where those columns and, uh, are flourishing in all sorts of niche spaces. It's just, what's the word? A plethora of advice. Like if you need help with anything, and the author cites some examples, life tips from Dear Prudence or Ask Polly or Ask a Manager. I mean, there's like an, an advice column uh, f- for you and, and, and kind of talks about the nature of these interactions, that uh, questions show up here that are old, have been around for a while, some that are, you know, relentlessly kind of modern, uh, but then goes on to observe that COVID uh, in particular, that over the last year, the thirst for, this author's observation anyway, the thirst for advice seems insatiable. Uh, the need for help, right? Collins have been swamped, right? This author cites some examples, like uh, what's the best way to break up with someone during a pandemic, right? Uh, or, or what's the proper etiquette for masks on a hiking trail, right? You're walking on the sidewalk in, you know, Shawnee Mission Park and someone's coming. What's, you know, I need some advice here. You could probably figure that out, but, you know. But then, uh, so from the slightly more mundane to the much more, I don't know, uh, serious. One example the author cited was how to deal with your husband's alcoholism quietly spinning out of control in the background during remote virtual work meetings. The thirst, the need for advice, right, I think is a pull that we feel. Uh, the author goes on to, to talk about, you know, sort of who seems to solicit it and kind of, you know, discuss all that kind of stuff. But I think it's, it's a pull we feel. How do I relate uh, to the people in my life? How do I relate to people who think and view things differently than me? What if those people are family? How do I relate to my parents? How do I get through to my kids? Uh, how do I resolve conflict? What, how do I make this career choice? You know, what, how do I step into this decision? What do I do with this painful, difficult thing, what, whatever that thing might be in your life? I, I, think the, I think the thirst or the inclination, the need for advice is a common one, right? Um, enter, I think, Proverbs, uh, what we read this morning, this lovely little book, uh, not little, this lovely book in the Old Testament, this collection of pithy, uh, winsome sort of insights into life. It, it, reads, uh, it reads a bit like a sort of distillation of, of advice columns everywhere. Just boil down to the kernel of truth, no story, no narrative. Let's just we're gonna hit you with all the advice you'll need for all the spaces of your life. It's nitty gritty. It's daily Right, it's, uh, you know, and in some sense, like, we have the rules, sort of the broader things maybe we think about when we think of, like, maybe, like, the Ten Commandments, you know, rules. We have, we have rules, and, and those are great, but, 
But uh, <laughs> to quote a proverb, when all you have is a hammer, everything is a nail, right? What we want, those, those grand sort of sweeping things are, are true, but what we want is something that speaks to the particulars of our life. The ups and downs, the ins and outs, the, the difficult spaces, and the easy ones, right? We, we want, what we want is something that, that addresses us with nuance. What, what we want, what we need and ache for is wisdom. The Bible's answer to that space in our lives is, is wisdom, and we find it in, in Proverbs. Today, we, we, we take a first step. This, this morning is really just an introduction. Uh, we, I think we're going to spend a few weeks uh, sort of looking at some. We'll pick up some of these particular Proverbs in the Old Testament. We've been in the New Testament for a while. we uh, sitting with John's gospel. And, uh, but for the next few weeks, at least, we're going to step into some practical stuff uh, from, from Proverbs. And I think we'll find, what I hope you'll find here. Um, Maybe uh, your life and your world, certainly our world more broadly, I think is aching or ripe for good counsel. Wisdom feels elusive. And uh, I think Proverbs can speak to that place for you and for me. Maybe you've had some experience with Proverbs. It's a popular book. It's like 31 chapters and people like to read one a day for a month. Maybe that's something you try over this next month. Maybe you go, you get even smaller and you just pick one proverb a day and you start to read it and just sit with it. I don't know what that looks like for you, but I invite you to step into it over these next few weeks with us on your own. But today again is an introduction and I want to offer a suggestion, uh, I think, in how we approach it, right? So over these next few weeks and how we approach this book. Because here's what I think. I think we can read Proverbs and reduce it to good advice, right? It's, much of it is generic. It's applicable sort of broadly within and without the church, right? It's uh, much that we find there sort of finds a wide sort of place to land in our world and culture. And I think we can approach it like an advice column. But I want to suggest to you that Proverbs invites us to approach it differently, uh, and, and really sort of what I think uh, and want to suggest to you this morning is that before it's ever good advice, it's good news. That what you need, what I need, before we need any sort of good advice, and I think Proverbs pulls us into this truth, what we need is good news. And I think Proverbs does that, and I'm just going to make a couple of observations uh, this morning. Uh, the first, I think, is uh, I think in the real estate game, what is it? Location, 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 right? I think the location of Proverbs uh, helps us hear it as good news and not just as like a barrage of good advice that either we take ourselves or wield <laughs> at all those fools around us, right? Uh, and I think its location helps us. One, its location uh, in the Bible. Right, uh, Proverbs is what we call wisdom literature, but it's not the only wisdom literature of its kind. And if it was all we had or all we spent time with, we might, we might sort of approach it one particular way. But Proverbs in its style and genre sits alongside books like Job and Ecclesiastes. Right, books that are much more honest about the broken places in the world. Uh, Proverbs is honest about it, but Proverbs feels, can feel really direct and straightforward. You know, speaking to this specific place in your life can seem really clean and, and neat, and, and that stuff is there, and it's true. But when we take it uh, in its context with other forms of wisdom literature that acknowledge that sometimes the world is broken, sin is 
broken the world and things don't work quite the way they were intended or designed to work. When we hold all of it together, I think it helps us approach the truth that we find in Proverbs uh, differently. We, we hear it, uh, I think, maybe a little bit differently as, as good news, as an invitation, uh, rather than as a, a formula, if you will. It changes how we hear and receive it. So it's context in the Bible, all right? Proverbs sits alongside, again, Ecclesiastes and um, what? Job. Thanks, Emily. <laughs> I won't tell you what just happened there, but my mind, I was at O'Reilly's. I thought I heard the beeping truck and... Uh, I was like, what? They don't normally make deliveries during church. <laughs> Sorry. Man, I need some advice for this moment in my life. Uh, but I think Proverbs location also helps. Uh, we, we see its location in our reading this morning. If we could put that first verse back up there. So not just its place in the Bible, but its place in the story uh, of the Bible. And we see it in verse 1. Look, look at what he says. All, right? all the wisdom that's going to follow uh, it finds its context here. The Proverbs of Solomon son of David, king of Israel. And right from the start, the, the author situates all the wisdom that's going to follow in the story of God's work to redeem his people. That God is at work, uh, and, and the wisdom that's going to be expressed here is rooted in uh, this particular narrative and story. And, and we know that that story, God's work to, to form and shape and redeem and save a people, ultimately in Scripture takes us all the way to Jesus. There's a lot that could be said here, and I, I don't want to get lost in the weeds, but I just want to suggest, again, as you sit with Proverbs, to keep Jesus kind of in view. You, Paul will say later in the New Testament, uh, Paul will say that Jesus is the wisdom from God. So all the wisdom we find in Proverbs, Paul's going to kind of point back to that and say with all, all that we find expressed in the person of Jesus. Jesus in Matthew's gospel is standing and teaching and, and says to, to the folks around, right, uh, one greater than Solomon is here, plants himself in the tradition of the wisdom that we find in Proverbs. It says one even greater than that, sort of that incarnate, that in the flesh is here with you and still you're too sure of yourselves to listen. I just want to loosely, again, much more could be said, but, but make the connection that the wisdom we find in Proverbs is uh, aiming us at the clearest expression of that goodness and wisdom in Jesus. So I think location helps us. Uh, maybe next week we'll consider a bit of the background. These first few verses are an introduction. Actually, the first nine chapters of Proverbs are a collection of poems. They're kind of longer, around a theme. They, they're, they're meant to woo you in, right, which is what I'm trying to do this morning. I don't know how well it's going, but they're meant to woo you into wisdom, to make you want, uh, to make you hungry for it. And then in chapter 10 is when you hit the, it's when you hit the, the, the advice, just bullet points of like one verse pithy sort of phrases for life, like friends that stick closer than brothers and pride comes before a fall and all sorts of examples, right? But that comes about chapter 10 and you get all these groups of of Proverbs. But I, I just want us to start, as you read all of that, the beginning material, the individual Proverbs, read them with Jesus in view. So location. Another observation from our reading here in verses 2 and 3, why is Proverbs good news? Well, I think because it comes to us uh, in, a, in a place that calls us into humility and receptivity. Right? We think, and this, look, you see it in verse 2, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, and to receive. This is why Proverbs is given to us. And, and what I, I think this is a slightly different posture than how we try to wield wisdom today. 
knowledge, inside information. You don't have to dig too far or too many clicks, right, <laughs> to, to sort of see a different approach to wisdom in the world. And, and there's a bit of good news here that in this moment we discover that kind of wisdom is not yours and mine to generate, uh, that it is, it is something that is received and marked with humility. Uh, another observation, again, just quickly by way of introduction, uh, we see uh, in verse 4, I think another bit of good news. Why is Proverbs good news first before it's good advice? Well, because it's given to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to youth. And then in verse 5, let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. Why is Proverbs good news? Because it's for everybody. It's for rookies and veterans alike. There's no sort of bit in Proverbs that says, well, I have attained wisdom, and now I can sort of aim these Proverbs at all you suckers out there, right? Uh, The Proverbs is given uh, (laughs) to rookies and veterans alike. I think that's a bit of good news. And then a, a final observation at the end here in verse eight and nine, which I think we have here, if we can move to the next one there. This is where he lands. So he's given us the introduction, Uh, Now he tells us, you know, humility and grace, uh, rookies and and veterans. But here we find it's marked by grace and beauty, that an effect of wisdom won't be arrogance and and pride, won't be anger and vitriol, right? It'll be grace and, and beauty. Hear, my son, your father's instruction. Forsake not your mother's teaching. They are a graceful garland on your head pendants for your neck. This, it's, a, it's an emblem, a picture of, of royalty, of beauty, of victory in a sense, right? This, this, this beautiful sort of image. Because I, I think, and we could admit, it's possible to live by all the rules and still be really ugly about it. But Proverbs pulls us into the good news that the effect, the genuine effect of wisdom in your life and mine is beauty, grace, that he works a change in us, which, which leads me to a bit of the material that we didn't read this morning. So off the bottom of this screen here in the next few verses, if wisdom produces beauty, he jumps into a, a, a sort of an, uh, an alternate uh, approach to life. Verse 10, he says, so he's just said, wisdom produces beauty, a garland, a pendant. And then he says, my son, verse 10, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent with reason. Very, I know it's very violent for a Sunday morning, but, but it's, a, it's a hard shift. No wisdom that comes with humility and receptivity that works grace and beauty or pursue the alternative which in this case is this really sort of vivid description of physically ambushing people, uh, which you're like, man, I'm I'm not tempted to do that. Uh, True, but look where he lands, or listen rather, you know, listen, in verse 19. He's described this sort of space, and he says, such are the ways, all of this description, this is a description really of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. Everyone who pushes himself forward, at the expense of others. And Proverbs, I think, <laughs> I think she's like, what, what does this have to do with, with good news? Well, I think he kind of gives us a contrast here, right? That, that the wisdom would say refuse violence in this moment. It's tempting, but it will destroy you. Wisdom instead will, will, will make you beautiful, will work grace in your life, which brings us, I think, to the heart of the matter this morning. Verse 7. 
This is where it's all headed over these next few weeks, the book of Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or wisdom. Fools despise it and instruction. Fools despise it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise it. It's a really, really, really clear uh, summary of all that will follow. All the advice Uh, Again, it's a pull into the good news. All the advice starts with the good news that wisdom comes as gift from God, right? Not something we generate, not something we work or muscle. It is is something God has, begins with, 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 with what God has done and worked. It calls us back. What wisdom does is it calls us back from a blunder that all of us are prone to right at the start, which is leaving God out and making ourselves the center whatever decision, whatever advice, whatever pursuit, whatever thing we're chasing. Uh, it may be wise and good. There's lots of good advice in Proverbs, but, 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 the, but the Proverbs pulls us away from just advice and into the good news that we have been invited into living in the world in the way that God has designed it to work. Right? It's that humility that, that, that says, uh, uh, invites us into paying attention to the way God has made the world. He has a design and a plan in this world. And, and wisdom says, I'm going to humbly concede or submit to that. I'm going to adapt. I'm going to adapt and adjust to that. But sin, on the other hand, which will be the story of fools and simpletons throughout Proverbs, of which we are. Uh, sin says, I will succeed by my own making. I will re-engineer creation (laughs) and the world around me and the advice that I think I need for myself. Why is Proverbs good news? Well, I think because it pulls us into this truth that we step into wisdom with a a pre-existing condition, (laughs) right? That we step into wisdom with a pre-existing condition. We are fools, sinners, despisers, right? We... We, our hearts are bent to go our own way. Our hearts are bent, even though the example is violent, our hearts are bent to sort of push ourselves ahead at the expense of others. Proverbs says, you can try all you want to find your good advice along that road, but there is a different way. I mentioned sort of reading Proverbs with Jesus in mind. I think it's worth noting that when God's wisdom walked the earth in the person of Jesus, He was none of the things I read to you from verse 10 and on. He wasn't violent. He didn't push himself ahead at the expense of others. Right? He was none of these things. He was was instead more kind of graceful garland to all the people that would come to him, even the religious ones, trying to pull them in. Right? In this sense, in Jesus, as we see the wisdom of God, what we discover is he isn't plotting against you, lying in wait to ambush you. He's not lying in wait for blood. Instead, he he has given his own on your behalf. Wisdom simply invites us into receiving it with humility, the good news first, before we ever step into good advice. To put that truth on your heart and life every day, every day, hearing again the good news that God has worked grace and life for you. Charles Spurgeon, a preacher you're probably familiar with, had this description of Jesus. I said, Jesus put it like this, really simply, the gospel. Come to me, he says, and I will give you rest. That's the gospel, he writes. I will give you. Those four words. I will give 
you, which means yours is mine is but to re- receive. I will give you. But you say, Lord, I, uh, you know, I, I can't give you anything, or you know, I, I, I think I got this figured out, or I got enough wisdom on my own. All these things. Jesus says to all of that, He says, I will give you, not what what you give to God, but what He gives to you that works life, grace, and salvation. I will give you. And in a world, perhaps in your life, craving advice, in our world bent on sort of tents, sort of taking what you can get, carving out your space, and, you know, in, in a world bent on that, Jesus, the life giver, says to you and me, I will give you. I will give you. What we see when we look at the cross, I'm going to close with a song here in just a moment, but what we see as we look through Proverbs into the work of Jesus, we see a wise man hanging on a cross, dying in the place of fools like us. We see someone who we may despise, but who refuses to despise you. Someone who we may be above, but who humbled himself for you. Proverbs, wisdom, the gospel says, look at him. Look at him. Receive good news first. Which brings me back to the New Yorker. And you guys were wondering, right? Maybe not. Hopefully it moved on. Uh, yes, yeah, see, they're excited. But uh, all right, this is, listen, listen to how the author uh, kind of describes advice. The advice column had had a settled and successful format for decades. The kind of Dear Abby framework pioneered, you know, kind of the columnist of her ilk, uh, offering practical advice and suggestions to concrete problems, very kind of specific. But then he, uh, the author notes that in 2010, uh, a column, anonymous column, Dear Sugar, uh, offering it, yeah, offering some advice. He was like, oh, I'm going to check that out. Um, uh, kind of shifted the landscape of advice columns. The, the Dear Sugar uh, shift sort of shifted to like uh, psychotherapy is the word the author uses. But, but this, this was the shift that it, it kind of grew, became uh, the solution to your problems lay within you, provided you confront them with honest introspection, and brutal clarity. The goal wasn't proper napkin etiquette or resolving a dispute with your mother-in-law. It was saving your soul. It was saving your soul. I think the good news of Proverbs is that that work is not yours. Not by following any amount of good advice, not by working up any amount of wisdom on your own, the invitation of Proverbs is the confession that the solution to our problems does not in fact lie within us, but outside of us with another. Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, Visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at parkcitykc.